Hello and welcome to the Wigtown Book Festival podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Hughes. Hope you enjoyed this year's festival. If you missed anything, most of our events will remain on YouTube until the end of October. Let us know what you think and what you enjoyed. We'd love to hear from you on our social media channels. On this episode, we've got a very special treat for you all. Jessica Fox speaks to etymologist and lexicographer Susie Dent ahead of the publication of her new book, Word Perfect. Susie is a well-kent face to wordsmiths everywhere, what with her appearances on Channel 4's Countdown, her podcast Something Rhymes with Purple, and her many books including Dent's Modern Tribes, The Secret Languages of Britain, Susie Dent's Weird Words, and What Made the Crocodile Cry. Welcome everyone. My name is Jessica. We are here with author Susie Dent. Hello, Susie. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. I'm very excited to have you on this program. So you are an author and etymologist. Uh-huh. You might also recognize Susie's voice, at least from Radio 4 or even on TV or my favorite, to be honest, is your podcast, Something Rhymes with Purple, which if folks have not heard, you have so many treats in store for you. Susie, it's an awesome podcast. Thank you. Oh, do you know what? It's, it's funny. I wasn't sure about doing a podcast. I just thought, oh, do you know what? People know all this stuff. But I'm so glad that Giles Brandreth, who I do it with, uh, persuaded me because as he himself has said to me, it's the most you thing that you've ever done, Susie. And <laughs> I think it's right. I, it's just a very, as you will know, a very intimate medium, really. And it just, someone described podcasting once as the kind of chat that you would have in a radio studio before the red recording button comes on yeah. or the red light comes on. And I think that's absolutely right. It's that kind of informal, relaxed exchange, which is is something quite unique, I think. How aware, when you're doing a podcast, are you of the audience? Or can you kind of lose yourself a little bit in the conversation? A little bit of both. So since uh, lockdown, we have been recording at home. And in some ways, I find that more intimate than actually sitting in my kitchen, as we often did at the beginning, or sitting room and, you know, having all the equipment around us and our lovely producer with us as well. So there's something which, you know, when you're kind of surrounded by your own things and just on your own, there's something really special about that. And I've really enjoyed it. But I would also say we have a fantastic Purple People community. So we have just brilliant emails that come in where people will add to you know to our knowledge they'll they'll teach us things that we have no clue about when it comes to certain words and phrases or just be kind of commenting on things that have you know somehow been sparked in their minds from our from our chats and and I love that so that too is quite an intimate relationship which is, is great that's wonderful. Well, on the listener's end, you know, I walk with both of you when I'm outside <laughs> kind of listening to you. So it does feel like we spent a lot of time together. Oh, I know that's, that's probably one-sided. Um, but we're, we're so excited to have you here today. And if the audience can hear birds singing or people out and about, we are in the heart of Scotland's National Book Town recording this now. It's a wonderfully sunny day, Susie, and I think that's thanks to you, really. You're bringing the sunshine to oh, us. Um, <laughs> and very first, I would love to dive into your new book, Word Perfect, is awesome. Oh, thank you. It's so great. The concept is great. I'm, you know, it's structured just for the audience. It's structured in months. And then those months are broken down into days and either the significance of the day or a word that reflects kind of maybe what's going on within that part of the year. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness you do that because it's so 
entertaining and information packed that at least if I take one day at a time, I'll maybe remember. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the book. Um, well, you pretty much said it, Jessica, in that I give a word for every day of the year. So it's not a, it's not a calendar. It's not a diary. It's just each day um, has an event obviously attached to it in its history that might have been the catalyst in my head for, um, for a word or phrase. But I think actually that goes really well with that. It might have been an event that actually popularized a word or phrase or even kind of, you know, triggered its invention. Um, so it or there might be a day um, in a particular season, particularly in winter, for example, where the you know, mornings are dark and cold. And I kind of think, well, do you know what, that's that's a really good day for the Scottish hurkle dirkling, which is staying in bed long after you should be up and about. So it could have just chimed with that particular time of year. So there were various inspirations that, you know, that came to me from those particular days. Were there any parts of the year that were harder to fill in than others? In some ways, it matched the sort of silly season, I suppose, that you will find in broadcasting. I found the kind of slow, hazy, slumberous summer days fairly hard to fill which um, was actually quite lovely from one point of view but I kind of thought oh gosh can I really write again about the effect of heat upon the body um <laughs> but <laughs> but I managed to yeah some months were, were really more productive than others which was strange but you know my head is so full of miscellaneous linguistic items like in the introduction to the book I call myself a bit of a linguistic magpie mm-hmm. um, and I swoop down on something that uh, catches my eye and then will just whisk it back to my nest and and um and relish it and savor it a little bit later. So I, I certainly wasn't short of words or phrases because I feel like in some ways I've been writing this all my life. That's wonderful. It certainly feels like we are getting not only the depth of your knowledge, but a lot of empathy from you about what different times of the year feel like, and also a huge amount of history, both you know ancient history and more modern history. It kind of connects us in this long etymology timeline to the way people have experienced a year. It is really wonderful. Um, I have to admit, I did look up my birthday. Oh, was it, was it a good one or a bad one? <laughs> well, Americans call it Bible dipping. You kind of like, uh, quickly, yeah. kind of just open up randomly to a page. Um, it was about the mustache, November 3rd. Oh, okay. Well, I can only apologize. For <laughs> well, I, can, I can confirm you do not have one. <laughs> well, do you know what? Given COVID and not, uh, we're all not getting the salons. I probably, I probably do. Um, there, there, there were a lot in particular since we're sitting in Scotland that were Scottish related. Yes. Well, one of them, the fiefal. Oh, yes. It's funny. I, I wanted to write about this because there is the linguistic myth that has persisted for a long time that the Inuits have more words for snow than any other culture or nation on earth. And actually, I, I wanted to correct that a little bit because in the wonderful uh, dictionaries of Scots, Scottish language, the Scots language, you can find lots and lots of different words for um, different types of snow, um, whether it's a flinterking, which is like a little, you know, one little snowflake, or a fiefal is another beautiful one. I mean, they're just they're so beautifully on a massapeak and um yeah i think i wanted to just put to rights the idea that you know the inuits are the only ones that have this kind of weather and this huge lexicon for the gorgeous white stuff i think that's fantastic it's not something i ever thought about scots before and kind of their experience of the seasons but i guess that at least when i first moved to wigtown there was a lot of snow so i am going to be using the word fiefal i think it's it's wonderful um it's very musical 
It is, it is very musical. Um, and you, you mentioned the kind of, you know, Scots and the Scottish language. There are lots in the book because just rifling through or riffling through any good Scottish dictionary, particularly historical one, you'll find, well, I mentioned Hercule Durkling, that's Scottish, but also Hufflebuffs which sounds like they come straight out of the pages of Harry Potter, but actually Hufflebuffs, even centuries ago, were the kind of large, baggy, comfy, slightly old clothes that you might shrug on on a Friday evening and not want to take off until Monday morning. And, you know, I think during lockdown, we all lived in those. I did anyway. So those are your Hufflebuffs. (laughs) Do you know, a lot of these words, I'm guessing, may have their origins in the fact that it's so cold, A, you wouldn't want to get out of bed, you're not very motivated, and you really don't want to take off your clothes either. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. But then there's also a brilliant word um, from the Scottish Dictionary, which fills such a gap in the language, I don't know why it's uh, not more widely known, and that is to tartle. Um, And to tartle is to make that really awkward, embarrassing pause before introducing someone, because you've completely forgotten their name and all of that is summed up in that one word title which I think is incredible. Have you always been very sensitive to language like even as a kid did words interest you or was there an aha moment for you? No I think it came upon me gradually but it's always been there so I can't I can't point to one thing and say that is why I love English Um, and the story I always tell is um, looking at shampoo bottles when I was in in the bath one of my absolute earliest memories so before I could read and just being enticed by these swirling characters I mean let's face it it must have been like you know sodium dimethicone or something incredibly boring but for some reason just the characters just entranced me and then family trips I'd be sitting in the back of the car and I'd be reading French and German vocabulary books actually those are my first loves Mm. and just trying to learn as much as I could but not so I could do brilliantly on tests it was just I just wanted to absorb all this stuff and it was a good thing because honestly when it came to things like geometry or physics I was pretty poor so I'm glad that I have found my niche quite early on. (laughs) And did you come by it honestly are your parents people who are interested in words or was this something that was very unique to you? Um yeah I kind of mean Yes, they love reading and things, but it wasn't something, vocabulary in English, it wasn't something we really talked about. So I wish I could explain it. A a lot of people ask me that about German as well, because I adore German. It's my, it was my first love, actually. And I can put that down to one brilliant German teacher I had, Mrs. Briscoe, in secondary school. But why it sings to me and why it feels like I'm coming home every time I hear it or speak it, I can't explain. But I kind of like that. It's mystical in some ways. It is. That certainly is. You know, my, my grandparents spoke German and they also spoke Yiddish. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the most onomatopoeic yes. languages in a way. But my grandfather used to meet, I'm sorry about my pronunciation, but he used to, <laughs> he used to say, Morgen, Morgen, Nornicht heute, sagen alle faule Leute. Oh, that's amazing. So, Morgen, Morgen. Morgen, Morgen, Nornicht heute. So, something not today. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, not today. Oh, um, Morgan, Morgan, as in that morning. Okay, as yes, in tomorrow. Yes. It can also be morning. No, no, not at all. Tomorrow, tomorrow, yes, not today. And then... Sagen alle faule Leute. Say all lazy people. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> very good. <laughs> I like that. Yes. That's very true. Yeah, well, there's a good word for um, not just procrastinating, which has got the Latin crass tomorrow in it or crass I should say c-r-a-s but there's a word for putting things off until the day after tomorrow which is perendinating that's another oh, as well wow. yes expert at that that's a great <laughs> word me too, me too. <laughs> 
Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, so there, speaking about your interest in German and languages, there is a, there's a word today, I was very excited to kind of Bible dip into the book again and look up today's word called Inuit. Yes. And I feel like that is incredibly appropriate for today, for October 1st. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I have that in, in front of me. So Inuit used to mean your, I guess your inner consciousness or your thought, because wit, um, the wit of man was not about their ability to make people laugh or their kind of comedic value, but it was about human intelligence and human intellect. That was your wit. So when you say I'm at my wit's end, it kind of means like, I don't know what else to do. I can't think of anything else to, to help the situation. Or you might say you're scared out of your wits. So you're kind of scared out of your mind. It's the same thing. And your common wit was your common sense. So an inwit was a bit like your, uh, your conscience, your inner inner knowledge, if you like, and your outwit was your kind of external perceptions. So what you picked up from the outside world. And sadly, nitwit is not completely linked to those, although it's a much later development because nitwit has no wit at all. Well, I <laughs> no, think it's it slightly sad that that's the one I'm most familiar with. There might be a reason for it. I know. Well, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And there is also something I, I know maybe it, it's hard to play favorites. There's just so much in this book. This is exactly the book I want for my Christmas gift, by the oh, way. Um, thank you. I will, I will be telling everybody that and I'm officially <laughs> announcing it in case anyone wants to gift it to me. But um, July 17th mm. is International Fergen Day. Is that how you Oh, it? yes. And that's another gorgeous one. It's a gorgeous and something we all need in a slightly agree. bleak times. So can, can I you agree. Tell, us, tell us about Yes, it, will, it was kind of, I think that's, I've mentioned in the book that somebody for me described it brilliantly, which is that this is a day where you can toot other people's horns. In other words, you are celebrating other people and, and sharing their happiness and actually taking delight in their happiness. And um, we just don't do that enough. And it's a really, really rare word from Hebrew. And it, it's, that's exactly what it means. There is, there is actually a very old word in English that I always tweet every Christmas because it's almost the opposite of schadenfreude which is delight in someone else's misfortune and it is confelicity and confelicity is the, the delight in someone else's happiness Oh, that's lovely. Um, which I think is really beautiful. So, you know, there are so many words like that that actually have got lost. We tend to dwell on all the negatives. So, for example, you know, despair is in the dictionary, but we never use a really rare word called respair, um, oh, wow. which is R-E-S-P-A-R. And that means fresh hope or a recovery from despair. It has nothing to do with spirio to kind of breathe into. Um, no, nothing to do with spirari, which will give you yes. to conspire and respire and perspire. Or inspire, yeah, yeah. And inspire, yes, to breathe in, which is beautiful. Um, this is spirari, which is to hope. Um, okay. Yes. So slightly different Latin root, but it's just it's just beautiful. I really love it. It is wonderful, and again, something that I feel like, given every day is some kind of national day, like National Hug Day, this is one is actually really worth worth <laughs> celebrating. I know there there are loads actually of days, as you say, and I try I try to kind of avoid every single one of them because some of them do seem a bit ridiculous. You but wonder just, the the card industry really needs to get on the July seventeenth. 
and just give each other compliments on cards. That'd be lovely. That'd be a national compliment day. But yeah, I was mentioning that we all tend to dwell on the negative. Um, We do that with words like unkempt and unruly and ruthless and gormless and things. When in fact, the positive versions of those did once exist. So you could be full of Ruth if you were full of compassion. Um, You could be full of gorm if you took heed. You could be ruly if you knew the rules and wieldy if you were good with a weapon. And, you know, all of those just kind of drifted away which is quite sad. Do you have a theory about why? Yes I think it's because at heart we are a pessimistic and be quite gossipy and there's (laughs) something that gossip loves it is kind of criticizing other people you know or or maybe just sort of teasing them a little bit and I think that's probably why yeah it probably says something about our psyche. I think you're right especially um if you were to be given a huge amount of compliments, which you know really will about your book, and maybe oh. one person has a suggestion, it's that suggestion that sticks and all the other compliments fade away. It's oh, just... I, tell me about it. Yes, that's, that I have to say is pretty much the way I live my life. And um, <laughs> I'm always dwelling on the criticisms. And I resisted Twitter for a very long time for that reason. But actually, I have to say, because I only tweet words, really, I do get mostly lovely comments back. You're wonderful people. on Twitter. It's it's oh. so it's so great following you on that. And I think you could do a huge civil service by maybe resurrecting the more positive versions of yes, those words. We do need to do that definitely. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So especially uh, let's talk about civil service and diplomacy because in your book I was so pleased as an American and maybe even feeling a little justified that all the words I have been kind of beaten out of me, like fall or sidewalk, actually originated here in the UK. Is that right? That's totally right, yes. Um, I really hate the way we always deplore those Americanisms, as we put in quote marks. Um, A, I don't really understand why we reject those when we don't reject all the words that flooded into English from, you know, from French when the Normans came over. Um, I mean, throughout its history, English has just hoovered up words from different cultures. And so I don't really understand why we reserve such antipathy and hostility towards the Americans. But yes, we used to call autumn fall because I think it's really poetic it was the fall of the leaf just as spring was the spring of the leaf and then the the Normans came in and eventually we got this sort of what we call an Anglo-Norman hybrid so we English mixed with a little bit of French and we took their l'automne for autumn and changed it to autumn but sidewalk was ours as well um you know Shakespeare talks about trash so there's just (laughs) So, and also Shakespeare also in his first folio, the spellings like honour without the U and colour without the U, they outscore what we would call the British versions, you know, mm. by, I don't know, 10 to 1 or if not more than that. So, uh, yeah, where all of those were around at the time that the the, pil- uh, the Mayflower and, the, you know, the early settlers went out. So that's what they brought with them. That's fantastic. And you even mentioned the word wow. Which wow. Is- that's Scottish, yes. Is it really Scottish? Yeah, that was that was you will first find in um, in Scottish records. So yes, everything that you immediately assume is American. I mean, of course, there are wonderful Americanisms. There are some really annoying ones, like sorry about this, Jessica, but winningest and losingest. I, I just I've I never can't. heard that before. I have no, heard funniest. Funniest, okay. Oh, funnest, you mean? Yes. Funnest, yeah. Um, well, winning us to losing us apparently is used uh, quite a lot in sports commentary. Oh, is it? Interesting. Apparently. apparently. 
But, you know, you gave us things like skedaddle. And what's not to love about that? So I basically, I always champion American English because Thank it's you. not what you think. <laughs> I also love the word Twinkie. I think that's such a nice sounding I agree. word. Yeah. I used to quite like Twinkies. And I discovered that you can actually buy them over here too, which is good. And that is fantastic. Well, I'm specifically from Boston. And uh, I kn- okay. I've been told that the Boston accent is actually an older form of the English accent. Mm-hmm. Um, it acted kind of like an island, but a lot of the words did carry over. So wicked is still really used prevalently in Boston. And so I, I would like to think we're carrying on the heritage there. Well, definitely. And, you know, it's New England. I mean, you've just got, yeah, so many British place names as well. And um, the American settlers gave us the idea of trailblazing because they would literally blaze um, a tree by stripping off a bit of its bark and thereby leave signs for other settlers to kind of follow their path so they were blazing the trees to lay a trail for those who followed and you know so they, they go your neck of the woods because they were trying to mark out land and they thought what does this look like this this bit looks like the neck of an animal so they gave us the neck of the woods oh, so that's so brilliant yeah it's all sorts of things like that Oh, that's so wonderful. Okay, so diving into Susie Den's head, which is like my favorite place to be. <laughs> oh. um, so, so you've always been interested in words. And when you came to kind of do uni in your studies, did you know what you wanted to focus on? No, not at all. Um, so I studied it in America, actually. So I went to university over here and then I went over to Princeton in New Jersey and did a German master's over there. But I could have stayed on to do a PhD, but I realized very quickly that full academia was not for me. So I taught a little bit out there. I taught German to freshmen and fresh women, uh, which was fun. I really enjoyed that. And then came over and I worked in publishing on German and French dictionaries at Oxford University Press. But that was, I knew I wanted to go into publishing because I have the romantic notion that if you want to get into publishing, you just, you just don't, you shouldn't have. But I just thought, I love books. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go into that. But yes, it all worked out really well with Countdown and everything else that followed. Oh, that's just wonderful because, you know, you're someone who I really admire your endless curiosity. You have such a voracious curiosity and such an interesting mind that I think often for younger people listening to this, it's not so easy to find your pathway through those prescribed channels. And so yes. I think that's true. You did. Follow, follow your passion. And mine also went off in really odd ways because I never for a minute wanted to be on TV. Um, and in fact, said no to it quite a few times before I was just ready to go on. Yeah. So yeah, just, I would just say, go with your passion and somehow you will find a way to kind of, you know, indulge it. And yeah. And I'm just, I'm so lucky because I have the best job in the world. Plus, you know, I have the dictionary in front of me. I sort of delve in at yeah, any any That's time of the day weird. or night. <laughs> That's so wonderful. So is it cheeky? Because your book's not even out yet. It's fresh off the presses. Again, it's called Word Perfect. I really want everyone to buy it. It's just awesome. Oh, um, I've talked cute. at length to other people about it, and I can see their eyes glazing over as I'm trying to repeat <laughs> what you've said. And I think the key really um, is you're not just knowledgeable. You're such a good writer. Um, oh. You're humorous. It's 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 a it's a really wonderful book. It's so fun to read. Thank you. The one thing I should say is that Word Perfect is a bit of a misnomer for this, because no one will ever be Word Perfect. But <laughs> what, what we wanted to, I, I was thinking really of Samuel Johnson, who was a great dictionary maker mm. and published one of the the first 
dictionaries that uses kind of modern principles of looking at current evidence of language to um you know to record it and he had a lovely line where he said that you know you, he basically realized in the course of writing the dictionary that you can't preserve english you can't take a snapshot and freeze it um it's mm. evolving all the time and he said that he would be forever chasing the sun um which i think was beautiful and oh, and that's okay. really what word perfect the title is you will never reach perfection but you can always chase it Oh, I love, I absolutely love that. Um, yeah. So is it cheeky to ask what next for you? Because your book's not <laughs> even out and everyone wants to know that, but is there something that's kind of a glimmer or a seed of curiosity for you that you're kind of starting to look at? Um, I just, I've got something in my head, but in my heart of hearts, I know it will never happen because I feel like there'll be so much pressure on me to make it amazing. And I'm not sure it would be. I'd love to write a novel. But, you know, I, everyone I'd says love that, you to write a novel too. I'd be right well, there Well, everyone says it. that, but I just think, you know, it would just be completely pulled apart by everyone saying, yeah, she calls herself a word wordsmith. Um, so, yes, I think that one will have to wait. To be honest, I think, Jessica, I'm going to have a rest for a while. It's Fair been, enough. yeah, it's been quite, um, well, quite a year for everyone, hasn't it? Really? Yeah, it has. Full of anxieties and stresses and things. So I think I'm just going to, you know, keep doing the podcast, keep doing countdown and then see what comes. Dude, that sounds like such a good plan. And before we go, I just have a couple of nerdy questions. And yes. Very literary. Since we're at the literary festival, a virtual literary festival, I thought we might dive in to some literary words, at least the origin of them. Book. Book is a lovely one because I love the way that trees are, are right beside the book, not only in the obvious sense of, you know, the, the production of the book, but um, the word book itself goes back to the old English book, which meant a beech tree because the bark of the beech tree was used for ancient inscriptions, for runes, etc., which is lovely. And then um, paper comes from papyrus, which was, again, ancient, an ancient use of writing. You've got, we talk about folios and folios are called leaves yeah. didn't and even realize that that's so interesting there's so much an anthology was originally a bouquet of flowers so it was a collection of flowers and it was extended to poetry originally because it was thought you collect different poems like you collect a bunch of flowers which is really pretty and uh, what else is there oh, true the word true is an ancient sibling of tree which I love because trees are steadfast and loyal and enduring so you know there are just so many beautiful metaphors hidden in English which is great that's so wonderful. Susie, thank you so much for joining us thank today you. on the podcast. Um, really, there's so many more questions I have, but we'll do a part two maybe when your book is out and about and um, other audience members may have questions for you too. Thank you so much. Thank Again, you so much. Out October 15th. Very exciting. Thanks, Jessica. I'm going to get in my huffle bus now. <laughs> Good plan. Many thanks to Susie Dent and to the intrepid Jessica Fox. Word Perfect is out at the end of this week, and I'm sure it will be finding itself onto the Christmas gift lists of word lovers everywhere. Well, that's it for this episode. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until the next time, thanks so much for joining us. Take good care. Bye-bye for now.